This morning's uh, scripture reading comes from Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 32. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. This is the word of the Lord for us. We live in a culture that says more is better. More is better. More gadgets, more clothing, more cars, more toys, more money. And so then you don't have to look very far to see people who are constantly, perpetually striving for what? More. It's easy to get caught up in this. And it seems to me that the more we get, then the more we have to gain. <laughs> Like the, the more things we have then, well, then the more we have to work at funding those things and repairing those things and preserving those things and protecting those things. But if we look at the scriptures, we see a totally different way. We look at the life of Jesus, we see him embracing rest where he ceases from that pursuit. And we should do the same. There are times where we need to stop. We need to pause. We need to rest. We need a break. We need to be recharged and renewed. In fact, I pray that today is one of those days. The title of today's sermon is Embrace Rest. <laughs> Maybe that strikes you as odd. I'm calling it productive rest. Well, uh, it's just a game changer when you realize that following God's plan, when you do enter into uh, rest, it's actually productive. So I'll share a little bit about that today, that, that God didn't design our bodies to work hard forever with no breaks. In fact, it's only when we find these rhythms of work and rest that we reach our peak productivity. And so what we're going to do this morning is I want to share three distinct rhythms that enable us to be healthy in body, but also spiritually healthy. Let me start with a story. There was once an American businessman who was traveling and he was in Brazil. He was just outside of a small village and he noticed a fisherman, just a man and his boat, a simple routine. He saw the man as he caught fish. He, in fact, he caught quite a few fish in a short period of time. And the man then began to row ashore. So the businessman is, is impressed with what he's seen, and he wants to uh, engage and talk with this Brazilian fisherman. He asks him a question. He says, well, why don't you stay longer? Why don't you catch even more fish? The fisherman responds, well, this is enough to feed my family. And the businessman says, well, then, so what are you going to do with the rest of your day? <laughs> it's, still, it's still morning time. You're done with your work. What, what happens next? He says, well, usually I wake up early in the morning and I come out here to the sea and I, and I fish. And when I have enough for my family, I go back and I have some time to play with my children. And in the afternoon, I take a nap. And when evening comes, then I join my buddies in the village. We play guitar, we sing, we laugh throughout the night. The businessman said, oh, okay, well, if I could just have a moment of your time, I actually have a few suggestions. Because I think I could help you be even more successful. I do happen to have a PhD in business management, after all. And um, 
let me just suggest that from now on, you should spend more time catching fish. You, you need to have, each, each day should be spent working more. You should, in fact, you should catch just as many fish as possible in a given day. And then you sell them, and when you've saved enough money, you could buy a bigger boat. See, that boat would allow you to catch even more fish in a given day. <laughs> and then uh, you could afford more boats. You could have a whole fleet of boats. You could establish a fishing company. And, and with this company, I mean, you could set up uh, food distribution, uh, this whole network. And then you could move out of this little village. You could move into Sao Paulo. Well, you can set up your HQ, you can manage your, your business, you could set up various branches of this fishing enterprise. The Brazilian fisherman says, okay, and then after that, what? The businessman laughs heartily, like, okay, you don't get this. Uh, after that, I mean, what I'm saying is, like, you can live like a king in your own house. When the time is right, you go public, you float your stock, uh, you, you float your shares to the stock exchange, and you will be rich. And the simple fisherman says, and after that, what? He says, listen, don't you understand? After that, you could finally retire. And in retirement, if you want, you could wake up early in the morning, go out to sea and catch a few fish, then return home and maybe play with your kids, take an afternoon nap, and in the evening, you could go into the village with your buddies and play guitar and sing and laugh until the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> More is not always better. And yet, it's easy for us to get caught up in that. To redeem our time, we must embrace the God-given, designed rhythms of rest. These, these God-designed rhythms of rest that the Lord calls us to. Let me introduce myself. I'm John Reisner. I serve as lead pastor. I'm thrilled that you're with us this morning. This is going to be a good morning together. I'm just excited for all the Lord has in store for us today. My mother is in the house. <laughs> Just blessed and thrilled to have you with us today, Mom. And I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. So we're in a sermon series in this new year called Redeeming Your Time. We're learning from Christ how to best use what I would say is our most precious commodity. <laughs> our most precious commodity, our time. This comes from Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17. I won't read all of that for us, uh, but we're told there to redeem the time so that we can do the will of the Lord. When it comes to time management, and, and maybe you've read other books or gone to conferences or consulted professional resources on how do I be most productive, how do I manage my time, um, it's easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to get overwhelmed with all of the techniques and all of the tips and all of the tricks. And there are times where, and, and I'll confess, there are times where I feel like it's going to be impossible for me to manage my time because of all of the disruptions, because of all of the demands, because of all of the obligations. It's, it's not going to be successful. We have too much to do. We have so many things coming at us from all different directions. It can just seem like an impossible task. But I don't want to leave us in that place of discouragement this morning because I believe that the Lord has a path and a plan and a way forward. And simply put, it's by taking rest. It's by, by entering into this God-ordained rhythm. And so hopefully this morning, we will be able to take a deep breath, hear the good news of the Word of God, 
trust Christ. And as we leave this place, as we go out from here, walk a little more closely in tune with his plan and purpose for our life. I, I would say this of, of these, we're doing five, five sermons in this series. This one is the most practical and most applicable. <laughs> this one is the most kind of rubber meets the road. How do we live this out? And full disclosure, I'm preaching this more to myself than to any of you. <laughs> Let's go to Matthew chapter 11. We saw it in the video just a moment ago. These are the words of our Lord Jesus, of course, in, in a very famous, well, uh, well-known passage, Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. He beckons. To the original hearers, to you and I today, and for all people at all time throughout all of human history, he beckons and he says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened. And look at this promise. I will give you rest. Anybody need to hear that today? (laughs) Jesus gives this beautiful promise. I will give you rest. That's not the only time he mentions rest in this passage. Let's keep reading. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You can ask one of the farmers later about more about that. I'm not going to explain it all right now. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? Help me. Thank you. These words, friends, this morning are just echoing in my head. Jesus. Saying, here it is. You will find rest for your souls. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. But you and I both know that we live in a hustle culture, <laughs> that we value industriousness and productivity, that in fact, if we're really honest with each other, there, there's almost a, a sick, twisted, perverted part of ourselves that really likes being known as a hard worker. Maybe even more than a follower of Jesus. Maybe even more than someone who loves his neighbor. Maybe even more than someone who is fully devoted and a worshiper of the one true God, but we're a hard worker. And so, if you want to get more done, we've got the solution. We say, work harder. We say, burn the midnight oil. We say, you can sleep when you're dead. Right? You've heard these things. You've said these things about your own life and about others. We live in a hustle culture. But did you know, and I'm here, I'm here to share this morning as I've studied the scriptures, that the biblically based, scientifically verified truth is that rest is this counterintuitive key to being wildly productive. Rest is a key in being productive. That's why I entitled this sermon, Embrace Productive Rest. Yep, rest is productive. In order to do more, you need to embrace this God-designed rhythm for your life. And so again, I want to share three specific rhythms for us today in this highly practical message. The first is daily breaks. (laughs) This is really simple and straightforward, but like you cannot work 24 hours straight. We have 24 hours in a given day. You're not able to sustain working that amount of time, even in an eight-hour shift of work, which is 
typical and common. You get a few breaks, right? You get even more when you're, uh, when you're a minor. When you're 14, 15, um, I remember I had a job at the local supermarket, and it was like, was it every two hours, I think? And I would always get in trouble because I wasn't taking the break. But it's like, you got to take your break. You got to clock out, go to the employee break room. <laughs> you got a mandatory 15-minute break. And so I just want to talk about that a little bit this morning, just to, uh, to encourage us in, in really a spirit-fueled way to be wise with how we use our time, to redeem our time. Use your breaks wisely. So maybe you work at a desk job. It's not physically demanding. It's, it's more of a mentally taxing thing. Then use your break to get moving. Get up and take a walk. Do some stretches. If you're, a, if you're someone who does more physical manual labor, you're working with your hands, your, your heart rate is elevated, then use your breaks to get some physical rest and some downtime to, to rest your body. But you might need to get your mind going. So maybe for you it's that word puzzle or it's read an article. You also need to consider, depending on your workplace environment and, the, and where you are specifically and how God has designed you, are you an extrovert who thrives on connections with other people and that kind of helps rejuvenate you? Then don't take a break all by yourself where you're sitting twiddling your thumbs. Use that time, whether it's with a coworker or someone else, to have a face-to-face conversation. Where you, can, where you can be re-energized by that. Or for, for those who are introverts who you recharge by being alone, then you might need to work hard at that. Where is that place where you can find some solitude? So again, I'm, not, I'm not just making this stuff up. We see Jesus doing this. Mark chapter 6 this is where Steph read for us a few minutes ago. You can turn there in your Bibles. Verses 30 through 32. I want to key in on verse 31 where... It says, then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. This is Jesus and his disciples. He said to them, not burn the midnight oil, not sleep when you die. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus Models this, he teaches this. In the next verse, they go away to a solitary place. This is a daily break. These disciples, they'd been working hard. They were teaching, they were ministering to the people. And and we think about, well, these were, I mean, Jesus had three years of ministry on earth. He had these 12 guys that were serving with him. Like, come on, guys. Can't you just teach one more Bible lesson? Can't you just serve one more person? But Jesus knew these God-designed rhythms. He recognized his disciples needed what was going to be best for everyone. For them, but also for the people they were serving, which was a break. A much-deserved break. Uh, The famed author and theologian C.S. Lewis, when asked if he ever takes a nap, responded by saying, no, but sometimes a nap takes me. And I think for a lot of us, we treat each day as if it's a sprint. We're just going to give maximum effort for as long as we can stain it until we just reach that breaking point, right? Sometime in the afternoon, I'm done. I'm exhausted. I've got no more to give. The sad thing is for for those of us who have families, sometimes we've given everything to work and we don't really have anything left for our families. 
And I just want to say, this really isn't how God designed us to operate. God didn't design us to go at a, at a sprinter's pace as long and far as possible and then collapse. It's not a sprint. Well, this is, uh, this is material I got from Jordan Rayner in the book by the same title of Redeeming Your Time. He said, it's not a sprint, but it's a... Uh, and I thought he was going to say marathon, but he said, no, it's not a marathon either. <laughs> he said, it's more like a workout. So some of you are, are you, your hobby is working out. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a workout. And scientists have discovered that God actually hardwired into us something called the Altradian cycle. The Altradian cycle. And, and to put it in a nutshell, essentially, our brains move from higher to lower levels of alertness about, on a cycle of about every 90 minutes. This cycle, this ultradian cycle, at the end of the cycle, uh, about 90 minutes, our brain needs a break. It's sort of like our body's way of asking for, I need a change of pace here. I need something to refresh me, to renew me, to recharge me. And when we do that, when we take a break, and I'm not suggesting like every, every 90 minutes you get a full, you know, full break, but when you, when you uh, recognize that cycle and take a break, you come back with even more focus. You're even more productive. So the first rhythm for us to just consider today and then hone in our own lives to become even better at is these daily breaks. The second is nightly sleep. Do you guys know about the pygmy shrew? This is the America's smallest mammal, the pygmy shrew. It spends its life in nonstop motion. The shrew, it never stops moving. To stay alive, it must eat three times its body weight daily. So that means it's, it's largely a carnivore. It eats a lot of insects and spiders. and uh, It's got to capture prey every 15 to 30 minutes, day and night. So this pygmy shrew has an insane metabolism. It has the fastest heartbeat of any mammal. 1,200 beats per minute. <laughs> they never sleep. This, this pygmy shrew is this tiny little mammal. They never sleep for more than a few minutes at a time. They're always going. And not surprisingly, they have an extremely short lifespan. Anyone want to guess how long does a pygmy shrew live? It's a, it's a mammal. We have them here in North America. They live about a year. Average, average lifespan is one year, and they die. <laughs> My friend, you are not a shrew. In fact, say it with me this morning. I am not a shrew. Again, I am not a shrew. I think that's what we're tempted to be, perpetual motion. We're just going to keep going. We're just going to press on, and our lifespan is going to be short if we do that. You need sleep. And although we see in the life of Jesus, he gets up early, he spends time with the Father, we also see Jesus prioritizing sleep. Yes, that's right. So in Mark chapter 4, this is the passage where Jesus calms the storm. And if you remember that story, you remember that Jesus in the boat with the disciples is sleeping. <laughs> uh, we can look at verse 38, Mark 4, 38. It says, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? In fact, if you skip back to the beginning of that chapter, in Mark chapter 4, you see 
it had been a long day of teaching for Jesus. Like he had done his work. He had fulfilled his mission. And so when they get on the boat, and it does say it's evening time. So he's worked hard. He's, he's put in a, a good day's work. And it's now evening time. And they get on the boat. Jesus was ready to sleep. He's ready to get some rest. And maybe you're here today. And at this point, you're going, why am I listening to a sermon about rest and sleep? Like, like didn't I come today to hear about Jesus? Didn't I come today to be encouraged in my faith and hear the word of God and hear the gospel preached. You know, maybe you're not bought in at this point. <laughs> maybe you're like, I, I don't know about these topical ideas and scientific research and talking about pygmy shrews. Like, what's going on this morning? Well, let me just respond if that's the place you're at this morning. We are preaching the scriptures this morning. And let me take us back to Ephesians chapter 5, which is really the main thesis for this whole sermon series for these five weeks. Because what we see there in Ephesians chapter 5, if we look at verse 15, is this encouragement and admonition, this challenge from the Apostle Paul that says, be very careful then how you live. He says, not as unwise, but as wise. In verse 17, he says, therefore, do not be foolish. And so this morning, yes, it might be very practical as we talk about rest. But this is what the scriptures have have challenged us with. The use of our time and will we be wise with our time or will we be foolish with our time? Now, if you were with us, uh, I guess it would be four years ago, back in 2020, uh, we studied a book called The Tech Wise Family by Ant Crouch. Some of you remember that. And we learned during that time that 82% of teenagers sleep with their phones. So we're about four years past that. I don't know if there's any more current research, but as of a few years ago, 82% of teenagers, when they go to bed at night, have their smartphone right there with them. For preteens, the next category, it's 72%. And not surprising, today's young people are getting less sleep than ever before. Is there a correlation there? <laughs> young people today are not getting enough sleep. You can, you can look that up. I can share an article. They are getting less sleep than ever before. Oh, and, and I can share some of the research that's uh, the, the been found based on young people who are not well rested. Surprise, surprise, they're more grumpy They have trouble remembering things. They're more likely to get in a car accident and their mental health plummets. So the National Sleep Foundation, which I was able to uh, peruse this week and spend some time learning from, they recommend for adults seven to nine hours of sleep per night. You go, yeah, that sounds about right. The eight hours, seven to nine, eight hours of sleep. But for teenagers, it's eight to ten. Our young people are not getting enough sleep. And the scriptures say to us, be wise then with the way you handle and utilize your time. So parents, this is your watch. This is a significant issue 
for young people today, what are you going to do? You're going to turn your head and look the other way and say, I don't know, it's just the way kids do it these days. I don't know. I'm not sure how much sleep my kid's getting. Yeah, they do seem kind of irritable. Or are you going to lean in? Are you going to step into that place of authority where God has placed you to say, I'm the one who makes the decisions? And I understand that you need to be getting more sleep, and I'm here to ensure that that happens. I want to encourage you to consider that (laughs) for the well-being of your child. Set proper boundary. Be wise with the authority that God has given you for this short period of time where these children are entrusted to your care under your roof. There has long been, and I don't want to get too, too much into this this morning, but there's long been this teaching for, for all of us, so not just with young people, but this 888 rule, which, which very simply put is eight hour, in a given 24-hour day, eight hours of work, eight hours of play or recreation or rest. Uh, not rest, sorry. Uh, fun, play, recreation, and then eight hours of sleep. Uh, for a balanced and healthy life. According to Matthew Walker, who's a renowned sleep expert, I brought a quote from him this morning, routinely sleeping less than six or seven hours a night demolishes your immune system, more than doubles your risk of cancer, and contributes to all major psychiatric conditions, including depression, anxiety, and suicidality. On the other side of that, the benefits of proper sleep are manifold. It's, it's remarkable and it's staggering. When you are well rested, when you have these really proper cycles and rhythms of work and recreation and sleep, you have vastly improved concentration. You, have, you are able to more quickly learn information and to develop new skills. Remarkably higher when you're in this rhythm of rest and sleep. So simply put, nightly sleep helps us to more accurately and intentionally pursue the purpose that God has for our lives. So this really is a spiritual issue. To pursue God's mission, I need to fall into and adopt and walk in the rhythms that God has ordered and instituted and designed for my life. D.A. Carson just this way, very bluntly, you are morally obligated to try to get the sleep you need. Sometimes the godliest thing you can do in the universe is to get a good night's sleep. So we've talked about the rhythm of daily breaks and how to best utilize those. We've talked about the importance, and again, the literature goes on and on and on and on, the importance of nightly sleep. There's a third uh, rhythm that the Lord has put in place, and it's the Sabbath. And so I want to spend the rest of our time teaching and encouraging and admonishing first and foremost myself and then you all as well to embrace this. Sabbath, we hear that, we go, yep, I know what that is. That's, that's the practice of taking a day off each week. It's, you, you take a, one day off. Yes, but it's so much more. Yes, it's not clocking in at your place of work, but it's so much more. And I think it's easy for us then to view Sabbath as something that's legalistic or something that's boring. And some of you experienced that in childhood where on Sundays or whatever, yes, for most of you, Sundays, uh, certain activities were prohibited. Ah, bummer. So Sabbath is actually rather boring. 
And I would say for good reason. Because in Mark chapter 3, Jesus agrees that there are those who have turned the Sabbath into something other than this life-giving practice and really gift that God has designed it to be. So I want to turn there this morning, Mark chapter 3, starting in the beginning of that chapter in verse 1. So in Mark chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, and so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus turns to the others, the ones watching, the ones wanting to accuse, and he says to them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? And they remained silent. (laughs) So here we have these these pharisaical folks. And they're just looking for a, a reason to criticize Jesus and accuse him, ultimately to kill him. And they're looking for him to see, is he going to adhere to the letter of the law? This Sabbath day and what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do. But notice, Jesus doesn't say there's any problem with the law. He basically seems to say here that the problem with the Pharisees is they're missing the point entirely. They're they're missing the point completely and entirely. It's actually the chapter just before this, Mark chapter 2, where Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the history, of course, for the Sabbath would be the Sabbath is the seventh day. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, God creates all things on the seventh day. On Saturday, the Sabbath, he rested after creating the heavens and the earth. And then it says, God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy because on it he rested from all the work he had done. And so when we embrace this idea and start to lean in and understand it and live it out, this rhythm in our lives, we are mimicking God's rhythm of work and rest. And we choose, we willingly choose to enter into Sabbath to simply enjoy the Lord. It's why we gather every single week as a church family to sing songs of praise and to commune with God, our creator, our heavenly father, to pour out our hearts to him, to find rest for our souls in his presence. So Sabbath is about kind of stepping back from our work and in just the same manner that the Lord did during creation where he would say, this is good. We can do the same thing. We step back from our work and from the normal routines of our lives to say, this is good. And really, when we enter into and embrace this idea of Sabbath, we are resisting the tyranny of more, which is where we started this morning. That more is not always better. So Sabbath is this invitation. We hear those words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 11, come to me. Come to me, and you will find rest. We stop working. We stop striving. We stop hustling. We stop striving 
for more. In fact, so, so God so wanted his people back in the Old Testament to enter into Sabbath rest. What did he do? Well, he mandated it. He made it part of the law. You can't work on Saturday. You can't, you can't, you cannot do your normal work on the seventh day and it was punishable by death. And it's in the 10 commandments in Exodus chapter 20. Now in the church age, and maybe some of you are going, the seventh day is Saturday, but isn't Sunday the Sabbath? Well, in the church age, Sunday became the day, the first day of the week became the day that the church uses for worship, for gathering and for rest. Sunday, the first day of the week is known as the Lord's day. It's called the Lord's Day because on Sunday, the Lord, Jesus Christ, was resurrected back to life. So the first day of the week is what the early church has started using. And of course, our tradition continues to this day, thousands of years later, as we gather and remember and reflect on Christ. And on this day, he rose triumphant over the grave. And I would say the important thing is not which day of the week is Sabbath. Uh, it's pretty clear and obvious. I don't think there's, there's really no dispute that the Sabbath proper is Saturday. That's the seventh. In fact, if you know languages the world over, you know that they're, in virtually every language, the, day, the name of Saturday is Sabato or Sabbath or some form of that. It's not so much about what day of the week it is. It's this principle of do I trust the Lord enough to cease, to rest, to trust that God is in control and therefore I don't have to continue striving because I trust that he is in control. And I need this opportunity to be recharged and refreshed. Again, we're today being encouraged to embrace productive rest because next work week is coming and I need to have my batteries fully charged in order to accomplish all that God has for me. And so today is a day to slow down and to stop and to rest. So there's New Testament teaching on this. In fact, I want to take us there this morning in Hebrews chapter 4. If we go to verses 9 through 11, the author teaches us that there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. He says, For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. So again, we recognize these rhythms which God has instituted, and when we begin to walk in them, closely align us with God. We're mimicking his behavior and his patterns. And when we think back to that account of creation in those first chapters of Genesis, it's, it's after creation that God walks in perfect relationship with humanity. It, it was utopian. It was paradise. And his design and his desire was to do so forever. But as we know, Adam and Eve sinned. <laughs> and ever since then, humanity has been marked with sin, and we've each made that same choice to sin, to break relationship and fellowship with God. And so what that means is, at the end of the age, when we face God's judgment, we will be condemned, because we have done wrong, because we have broken fellowship, and we have done that which the Lord has told us not to do. We've all sinned. The scriptures affirm that over and over. 
Not one of us is righteous. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. The punishment, the wages of sin, is death. And so we are then to be eternally separated from God in hell. But, aren't you glad we have good news this morning? Aren't you glad that that's not the end of the story? But the, the good news of the gospel and the truth of our Lord Jesus and his sacrifice is that there is one way, my friends, one way and one way only where we can be in relationship with God and be spared from that punishment that our sins deserve. And it's to simply place our trust in Christ. Put our lives completely and entirely in his hands to believe that he took our place on the cross that he rose by the power of God on the third day, that he lives forevermore, that he can indeed forgive our sins, and that he invites us into saving faith. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and Jesus says, I will give you rest. So friends, it goes so much more beyond taking a day where you don't go to work. It's talking about rest. A life rooted in Christ today and hope for eternity with him and in his presence. And so I do want to encourage you this morning to enter into this practice, this idea of this, this rhythm that God has instituted and ordered of Sabbath. That you, that you would find a regular day for Sabbath. It doesn't have to be Sundays. <laughs> Maybe it is Sundays doesn't matter what day of the week it is because for, for some of you it's sort of kind of maybe a little bit sunday but you really don't even enter into it there you really don't use a whole lot of intentionality there anyway the point is will you prayerfully and intentionally utilize and enter into by faith this idea of sabbath rest that you would set aside that time for the activities that recharge you, refresh you, renew you, that nurture your soul, that recharge your batteries. It's once every seven days. We've got to stop putting out energy and just allow ourselves to recharge physically, but also spiritually. And so there is a solution to this life that, it, that so often lures us in and, and ensnares us that's just characterized by stress and anxiety and overwhelm and struggle. But the solution isn't just take a day off each week. Just, just stop working once each week. The solution is trusting Jesus. And when you trust him, your life will then be lived out in a way where you demonstrate and enjoy and experience the rhythms that he has ordered and instituted. The great St. Augustine says this, Our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. And so just like a lack of rest is detrimental to our physical and mental health, a lack of resting and trusting in Jesus damages our spiritual well-being. But it's when we trust him that we enter into rest. Will you embrace productive rest today? That God has ordered and instituted a rest that is deep and full 
and even eternal. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this quiet moment where we can take a deep breath and respond in our hearts to the call of Christ to come to him. And Lord, help us to do that today and in the weeks that lie ahead. Lord, we want to pursue with a laser focus the mission that you have for us. We want to be sold out for you, poured out like a drink offering, and and unrelenting and sharing the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. And yet, Lord, we trust that it doesn't depend entirely on us. So, Lord, we trust you enough to take a break and to get a full night's sleep and to practice Sabbath. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful gifts that you give us. That the life lived in you is one that's vibrant and healthy and filled with hope. So, Holy Spirit, seal these things in our hearts and minds that we've learned as we look to Jesus, our supreme example and Savior. We pray it only in his name. Amen.